By 1987, Prince's spirituality was no longer lurking in the metaphorical shadows or hidden in lyrical double meanings. No better example of this more overt approach to examining religion and spirituality can be found in The Cross and Sign of the Times album. Joining me on this episode for The Cross is Erica Thompson. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Thank you. It's great to be back. It has been a bit since uh, you were on the show. You joined me for Temptation on the Around the World in a Day album, and now you're back to talk The Cross with me. Um, so The Cross, it is it is kind of a more, I would say, a more overt approach to spirituality than Prince has really ever done before, maybe with the exception of God, or like maybe for the tears in your eyes. What do you, what do you think about that statement, Erica? Yeah, I mean, of course, Prince has always been talking about God in one form or another since the beginning of his career. But I I really look at this as, like you said, a more overt approach to talking about Jesus. And it's really interesting how he talked about Jesus up to this point. So, yeah, like you mentioned, you would get something like for the tears in your eyes, but it wasn't on one of his his albums right Mm -hmm. and then also you have some unreleased tracks like the song crystal ball was unreleased at this time and jesus is mentioned on that you also have walking in glory but that again was unreleased until very recently um but then you you would have a song like i would die for you which is on his album purple rain but there are so many different ways that you could interpret that so again it's not really that blatant or he might um I'm just thinking of Darling Nikki, the Lord is coming soon, but that's, you know, reverse. message. Yep, yep. Hard, <laughs> right. to, hard for yeah. most people to hear. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I really do see the cross as his first straightforward, cohesive statement about Jesus. And again, it's still very symbolic. I mean, he's saying the cross and not Jesus, though he would later change it to the Christ. Um, but this is definitely like a step up for sure. Yeah. And I do want to get to that change that he made later in the episode because i think it's it's pretty important kind of footnote i mean in 1987 sign of the times the album version is the cross but it's hard to talk about this song without mentioning how he kind of uh, flipped it and based off of his jehovah's witness um religious beliefs you know the, the their belief system and why the cross isn't kind of a doesn't have the same or doesn't really have any symbolic meaning in, in you know in their understanding of the Bible and the religion and and how Jesus died, so that's why he changed it. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, I definitely want to talk a little bit about that later. So the cross was the fifth track on uh, disc two of Sign of the Times. If you you know had the CD version, and it leads off side four if you had the vinyl version. So it's it's one of the last three songs on the on the album. You're pretty much getting towards the the back quarter at this point if you're at the cross um it was not released as a single in the united states it was really not released as a single anywhere in the in the world except for as a, a promo in south africa for some reason kind of interesting little also a little interesting footnote uh it, it's also the closing track on the sign of the times film which for the sign of the times tour which in, took place in europe the closing song was typically it's going to be a beautiful night but he chose to end the film, Sign of the Times film, with the cross. And I thought that was interesting because it does kind of have that a little bit of like an epic closing track feel to it from a musical standpoint. Uh, even though it's not, it's not even the second to last song on the album. Uh, did, did, what, how do you feel about the, the cross as being the closer for the film? Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, ha- I have that in my notes to talk about, too. I think it's really telling because you you do have this loose storyline uh, on the Sign of the Times tour, this love story between Prince and Kat Glover, but then also kind of dealing with like a love versus lust narrative. And so during the cross, you have um, like a heart symbol, a peace symbol and the cross symbol prominently displayed on stage. And then you're getting flashbacks, at least on the film, of course, of of Prince and Glover's journey. And it's um, I think I think 
um, the combination of the flashback and the symbols and then the cross as the song is indicating that Prince's focus on love over lust is not solely a result of his maturity, but a spiritually motivated decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point, because I think with it being the final song, a lot of the narrative of the film is very romantic uh, in nature. Like he's, he, you know, of course he has his political song, Sign of the Times, but there's that most of the narrative of the film is about the the dynamics between Prince and Kat, uh, the romantic dynamics. And then, of course, she has her interludes where she's wondering what's going on with uh, her relationship with her old boyfriend. Uh, I can never take the place of your man. And just, you know, I mean, you have all of these little interludes that don't really speak to spirituality, religion, anything like that. And then, but there is the symbolism, like you have to be paying attention, but it's there throughout. And you really have to kind of notice it in order for the cross to make sense as the closer for the film. And I think the way you described how his journey towards, um, you know, his his spiritual approach and, and choosing love over lust, love over sex uh, can be summarized quite well here, even though the lyrics as we get through it don't seem to really touch on that as much. But if you have to fit it in with the narrative of the film, that's the only really way, the only logical way, I think, that it works. Yeah, and I think it's it's reflective of Prince's um, own development and like his own journey, especially as a musical artist. And I really think that the Sign of the Times album is one of his most mature albums up to that point thematically because, you know, when he's he's talking about relationships and he's talking about sex and it, it's in a really, it's in a more mature way and it's with a lot of self-examination. Like you mentioned the song, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. And I also think of Forever in My Life. And again, it's kind of moving away from this his early message of like sexual freedom to expressing his desire for love and monogamy and still sex, of course, but like within, within a committed relationship. Yeah. It's this album is a, a, a pretty important stepping stone between the Prince of controversy in 1999 and the Prince of love sexy. I think this, this is a, like you mentioned the maturity of this album and the maturity in songs like this, like The Cross, like he wouldn't have, even though he had this in him, like he had the desire to create songs like this, I feel, I feel in the past, he just didn't have either, he wasn't brave enough to do it and put it out there, was too concerned about how it would affect his career when he was still kind of making a name for himself. But by 1986, 87, you know, he, he had the, he had had the success already. He had conquered the world, so to speak, with Purple Rain. And now he, wa I think he wanted to put these messages out there in a way that weren't so cloaked. And also he felt the confidence to do so. It wasn't so much that he was worried how it would affect his career. What would his label think? What would his fans think? Would he be relegated to Christian rock radio, you know, and and no longer be and no longer be played on pop stations or MTV because of the fear of them not really wanting to, you know, to to have religion shoved down people's throats. I mean, the song wasn't a single, so it's not like he led led it off. So there was still a little bit of you know his concerns here because this song is worthy of being a single in my opinion it's a it's a brilliant song it's it has a very rocking um guitar later in the song that would have fit perfectly well on rock stations uh mtv it, it, I, of course the lyrics are we're always going to get and the fact that he titled it the cross doesn't doesn't make anybody or is not going to lead anybody to think it's any about anything but religion i mean mm -hmm. there's there's no i would die for you um examples where you could say well i mean there's also some you know fits in with the narrative of the film no it, this is the cross i mean it, you can't die without knowing the cross you have to bear the cross taken by the cross i mean he doesn't just call it the cross and then never really touches on the subject again this is what the song is about there's no denying it it's hard to yeah. hard to hide that when and obviously he was not trying to hide it uh, okay, so I think what I want to do before we get into the lyrics is talk a little bit about how he changed the the cross to the Christ later in his career. So 
So even before he had officially uh, embraced the Jehovah's Witness religion, I think it was like the 1998 Essence Awards is where he he and Larry Graham had kind of had that, that those were having discussions and this was after the the tragic death of his of his child and his marriage to Maite was starting to kind of uh, erode there and he was reaching looking for something maybe and and you know he found a spiritual advisor in Larry Graham and and the Jehovah's Witness um, doctrine was being kind of discussed and he was asking a lot of questions and learning more about the, their ways of of thinking and the way I understand it and Erica maybe you're best to talk about it but is that there was like a in in their opinion in the Jehovah's Witness religious opinion there's a misinterpretation of a word in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how to pronounce the staros. I'm I'm guessing, yeah. but yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the word that I understand that was believed to be misinterpreted as a cross in the Bible and by most Christian faiths. But Jehovah's Witness believes that that is should be interpreted as more of like a stake. Is that your understanding as well? Yes, yeah, that that's it exactly. It's an upright stake instead of a T-shaped cross. And, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses are very, very precise about language and about their belief system, which they call the truth. And that's something that Prince gravitated toward. I mean, we all know he's talked about, like, the truth over the years. And uh, he he likes this, this sense of accuracy sometimes. Um, and, you know, I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, Prince is always changing, right? Sometimes he loves the abstract, but sometimes he loves like, what is this exactly? So, you know, he felt that the cross was no longer accurate and changed it to the, to the Christ. And ultimately, I mean, it doesn't change the meaning of the song or it doesn't, or the meaning of like, you know, Jesus sacrifice, but they just want it to be as accurate as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I understood it as well. It was, uh, it was about accuracy and I think his quote, and I'm, I, I may be paraphrasing a little bit cause I don't have it right in front of me during this award show. He said something along the lines of someone lied about the way someone died or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that or read that, but um, no, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, you know, it was he was kind of putting it out there that he even though I don't think it was official yet, this was this was kind of the the future for him was taking this path. And yeah, the truth, the truth is absolutely was always been important to him. And this was kind of like one of those. Let me correct, you know, the ways of thinking. And he was pretty adamant about making sure that people who listened to his music also knew the truth. Like he wasn't just like, I know the truth and I'm not going to yeah. share it with anybody. He was like, I know the truth and I'm going to share the truth with everybody else. And I, I this is my platform. You know, I'm a musician, I'm a singer, I'm an artist. Um, you know, whatever it takes for me to get the truth out there. And, and at that point, by you know, late 90s and early 2000s, of course he wasn't so concerned about how it would affect his career anymore i mean he made the rainbow children after all i mean if anything was going to affect his career because of its messages and 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 lyrics it would have been the rainbow children so at that point yeah he was he was absolutely all about the truth and making sure that his listeners knew the truth so yeah i'd love to hear you know Thank you. I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I think just because of my kind of weird introduction to, to Prince, I think I probably heard the whole the Rainbow Children album before I made I maybe heard the cross. But as someone who was familiar with the cross first and then, you know, hearing him change it to the Christ, how did that affect your relationship with the song? Like, did you I know you said, of course, like the cross we we all know what it means, but it seems like maybe it could be a little bit more universal or approachable for folks who are not Christians. But once you change it to the Christ, I'm wondering if that turns some people off. So I just love to hear your your personal opinion on that. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, and I think that was kind of like the general. Well, there's the purists, the people who were just like, I don't like him changing anything. So I didn't like it when he changed 
sexuality to spirituality. I didn't like the mm. fact that he won't swear in his songs anymore. I don't like the fact that he won't play Erotic City anymore. Like, that's one approach. Like, I don't like the fact that he changed. That wasn't my take on it. My take was just he's changing. He's evolving. And if he's changing, he's evolving, then it makes sense that he's going to have to do some changing and evolving with some of his his lyrics and his songs. I mean, we're not talking about a man who who stayed the same, you know, had the same exact um, philosophies and and ideologies throughout 40 years of his career. That's that's asking a lot of a person to never, you know, evolve like that. And it made sense to me, like listening to it as the Christ, it, it wasn't a big or, you know, hearing about it. I never actually saw him play this song live or anything, but I knew I knew that he had changed it. And it didn't have really affect me at all because I figured, you know, the cross always has kind of been like a symbol for Jesus Christ. It's like, I mean, it's a symbol of, of Jesus' sacrifice, right? That's kind of like what it represents to a lot of people. But it also just in general, I think, represents Jesus. Like a lot of times when you see like the cross in people's homes um, up on the wall or something, they'll Jesus will be on the cross or sometimes it'll just be the cross by itself without the figure of Jesus, you know, nailed to the cross. Uh, and, but it means exactly, and mean, at least to me, it means exactly the same thing. It means this is a place of, of where, you know, Jesus is welcome. This is a place where religion is important. Uh, the Christian faith is important. And the symbolism of Jesus dying on the cross is represented here. And to change it to the Christ didn't really make much of an impact on me because Jesus Christ always had that kind of same symbolic um, place in whatever, you know, religion I was kind of following at the time, whether it was Catholicism or, you know, a Lutheran faith, which is what my, my wife is. So it didn't affect, it didn't affect me personally, but I can see how some people might think it's taking a little bit of the symbolism out and making it too specific. And that's maybe why some people don't maybe gravitate towards the Christ version of the song that he does live as much because they did they, they like more of the symbolism behind it. That's my guess. Yes. Okay, so this song is interesting because it doesn't have a chorus. It is essentially just uh, four unique verses. And then as the song goes on, we get um, the, the music keeps getting added and more intensified. It's, it starts very simple, just a couple of uh, guitar chords, Prince's voice. With each each verse, you get a little more added to the music, some you know kick drums, and then later on you get the more intensified drumming, and then you finally you know you get some more guitar, and the, everything basically intensifies by the time you get to the, the repeating of the verses towards the back half of the song. So it's it, it's a big build, you know, it's a big build up. It's a build up with the with the um, expectation of a payoff, and I think the song does give you that payoff uh, musically for sure, and then also the way its the lyrics are delivered. But uh, as this is a lyrics podcast, we will then be talking a little bit about the lyrics and seeing if there's anything that Prince is trying to say with this besides Jesus is the Savior. You know, I mean, the, the cross is the da- the name of the song, but what else is he trying to? Like, that's the theme, but what else is he trying to put out there with these lyrics? What else, what are some of the other messages that he wants to, uh, wants the listeners to embrace and to um, experience here along with us as we're talking about Jesus Christ and the cross? Black day, stormy night, no love, no hope inside, don't cry, he is coming. Don't die without knowing the cross. Verse 1. Black day, stormy night. No love, no hope in sight. Don't cry, he is coming. Don't die without knowing the cross. And I do like how, before we start talking about the lyrics, the performance, again... I think the song is very, the way it's performed is very important to the delivery of the message and to the uh, impactfulness of it. So the vocals are very upfront here. It's just 
like I said, a little bit of a kind of a quiet guitar chords going on in the background. It's mostly just Prince and voice here. So you're let off with the stark images of Black Day, Stormy Night. That's the first line of the song. And you're immediately thinking, you know, this is kind of like a a hopeless setting or a dark setting. Well, I mean, Black Day, Stormy Night implies a bit of uh, a, like a more of a, a troubling situation or, you know, something that's negative. Um, typically, like those dark stormy nights are are Im- the imagery that you get when things are maybe not not at their greatest. Uh, what else do you see here with this first verse, Erica, or like how it's performed? Yeah, um, no, I agree with everything that you said. And I just, I mean, you know, we can say these lyrics are very simple throughout the song, but I think Prince um, is just very successful at setting a scene very quickly. I mean, black, like you said, Black Day, Stormy Night, you already have this kind of scene of despair. And I will add that, I mean, Prince in his life at this time was very reflective. We know from Dwayne Tudal's most recent book that he recorded the basic tracking on the 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 Sunday of an earthquake in Los Angeles. Um, and so, and, you know, I think... Um, Folks have talked about him looking at newspaper headlines during this time. So he was reflecting on really all of the the turmoil that was going on in the world. And he's kind of setting that scene very quickly with his lyrics. Um, so that's what comes to my mind on like the at least the first line of this verse. And I have some other thoughts later, but uh, <laughs> I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, yeah. And no love, no hope in sight following up that. Uh, reiterates any kind of feeling that you might have already been uh, that you might already have in your head when you hear the line black day stormy night you're like okay i know that he's trying to paint a picture of of something troubling you know he mentioned despair um anguish or pain something along those lines and when he says don't cry he is coming you get the impression that you know the tears are tears of pain tears of sorrow and he's trying to like comfort you like this is supposed to be comforting. Like this is this is all that's going on right now. But don't cry, he's coming. Don't die without knowing the cross. And the whole he is coming line after don't cry. It doesn't say don't cry because you know you're Jesus died for our sins, therefore we're you know, you're gonna go to heaven as long as you believe. The fact that he says he is coming, I guess, is supposed to imply something along the lines of the rapture or i mean is that am i stretching there no <laughs> not at okay. all I, <laughs> I interpret that as the second coming of christ you know to deliver the righteous and and i the cool thing about prince is like this isn't the he, he's he talks about the same themes often and and even some of the same like like uh, lyrical passages. And so, you know, he's not saying the second coming here, but of course he has the unreleased song, the second coming. He talks mm-hmm. about the second coming in um, sexuality. But at the end of Let's Go Crazy, he does say he's coming. Hang tough children, he's coming. And I, I interpret that to mean Jesus, <laughs> like tucked in at the end of Let's Go Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, the, the, the notion of like, don't cry, um, Prince talks about that often when he's talking about God or Jesus or religion. So I I mean, a certain Bible verse comes to mind for me, and that's Revelation 21, 4. And that says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. So you have that in For the Tears in Your Eyes. You have that in Elephants and Flowers. Um, you even have that in the song Come when he's <laughs> when he says, you know, don't cry. He talks about, you know, not, not crying in that. And I know that's viewed as a very sexual song, but there's a spiritual interpretation there. So, you know, these things are not new to Prince. And it's, it's just really cool how they continue to show up. Yeah, good point with the second coming, um, the unreleased song that he used to open up his concerts during the controversy tour. I mean, he, I mean, think of it like it's 1981, 1980, early 82. And up to this point, well, I guess, you know, I, 
controversy album you started to get a little more of that with the lord's prayer and controversy and but then to go to his show and you're thinking oh this this guy you know this uh this funk singer this r&b singer that has some really dirty songs like head in it and then you lead off you know you're basically introduced to him in this tour by a, a a very religious song the second coming it sounds like gospel it sounds like you know you're in church that's the i mean that's obviously the intent to have a song like the second coming and make it sound like you're sitting in a a church pew listening to the gospel choir and that message continues on you cited several examples at this point and you know the connections are are very clear if you're if you're thinking about it this even though we all think of the cross as kind of like the first real overt and uh, straightforward religious song in prince's discography there's so many other examples where he's talking about this either in unreleased songs stuff that was only present in concerts stuff that is just a line in a very popular song that most people just kind of glossed over like in let's go crazy for example but the the message has been present to us and available to us for years up to this point and it's just finally kind of like like you kind of already talked about the maturity to put it all together in a package that is coherent and clear and he's just like, I've already been talking about this stuff, guys, but here, here's a song that crystallizes it into four and a half minutes or so. And uh, nobody's going to question the intent here. This is this is going to be my most clear statement. And that's what I think the cross is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just to add a couple other things, I mean, the title of the album, Sign of the Times, I mean, that has a religious um connotation itself like sign of the times or signs of the times signs of the end times or signs of jesus return um and then also just the last line of this first verse don't die without knowing the cross i mean like we've talked about he's he's referenced that theme before um in terms of you know don't die without acknowledging that jesus is the son of god so you can be saved um and i I immediately think of the song paisley park when he sings um he died without knowing forgiveness and now she is sad so i mean you could you could uh, there are a million interpretations you could just say oh you know they didn't resolve their relationship but it could be a spiritual thing as well so i just love how these things keep popping up yeah good point all right so i think we probably talked about verse one quite a bit already so let's move on to verse two if you're ready Ghettos to the left of us, flowers to the right. They'll be bread for all of us if we can just bear the cross. All right, so in the second verse, I feel like he's doing more of a, or giving us more imagery to comprehend or kind of like think about as we listen to the song. He's uh, painting a picture again for us, like we're imagining an inner city situation where uh, there's like the visual representation of poverty, there just by saying the word ghetto that's typically what people think about when they think of ghettos is uh, poverty and and hunger and people who are not financially uh well off and and struggling potentially struggling just on the day-to-day basis making ends meet so to speak and just being able to survive is is tough in and of itself and then to put the imagery of flowers then to the right of us it i think that there's some you know, like there's uh, yin and yang there. There's the the dark and light. There's the positive and negative. There's a lot of things going on with just putting those lines back to back like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on on verse two, Erica? Yeah, I mean, um, I, again, what a what a simple yet powerful way to establish a view of the haves and the have nots. Ghettos to the left of us, flowers to the right. Like that's just a really 
really, really clever and really, again, succinct way to create mm -hmm. that image in your head. Um, and there will be bread for all of us. So again, bread is a very symbolic term in the Bible. I mean, you could take it literally to mean like actual food. So, you know, at some point we're all going to have all the resources we need, or you could think about it as spiritual food. And again, like the actual body of Christ, like when, when we take communion and an, again, an acknowledgement of his sacrifice and, and our salvation. Um, what's interesting to me is kind of how he flips it and says, if we can just bear the cross, because, you know, we often talk about Jesus bearing the cross and his burden for all of our sins. But now Prince is talking about, you know, we have to bear the cross. So, so what does that mean? It's like, we just have to endure all of these challenges until Jesus returns. Um, but it's really interesting because Prince definitely has that message throughout his music, but then he has other songs where he's talking about, well, we have to change our own circumstances and we have to create our own paradise during our lifetime and not just wait, wait on someone. So I think that's like an interesting dichotomy in Prince's discography. But I guess here, when I think of if we can just bear the cross, I'm just thinking about us like enduring until... Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? he, yeah, exactly. Because the you know the lines earlier in the verse are speaking to, you know, to things that are struggles, you know, human struggles that that people have to endure, and to follow that up with it later in the verse, we will have everything we need if we can just bear the cross. So like time on earth may be tough, you know, you you're you're struggling, you can't see, seem to find the light in life. Uh, anything to be positive about but if you just you keep enduring which is you know easier said than done right i mean yeah. to say like you just live through life i know it might it might might be tough and i know it's it's supposed to be encouraging i know that the intent is more like uh there's something better for you after this life if you can just withstand and endure the same word keep using there because it fits perfectly but uh, easier said than done, but that's what I think he's trying to say here. And the kind of the message he's trying to deliver is don't let life's um, challenges keep you from heaven, from getting to heaven. There'll yeah. be bread for all of us. And the bread, I think also, what well, that was one of um, Jesus's miracles too, wasn't it? Like mm -hmm. the creating or feeding the multitudes of hungry um, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Something along those lines. I, I'm not as well versed <laughs> on some of my Bible, <laughs> my biblical references. And uh, but I, th I believe that that was one of the um, the miracles that Jesus uh, gave people at the time was the or at least that was written as that. Like he fed multitudes with by transforming one loaf of bread into enough for everybody. So, yeah. Um, I, I do want to add, um, introduce um, a, a term here um, of Black theology or Black liberation theology, and that's the perspective that contextualizes Christian theology as a guide for the liberation of African American and South a South African people from oppression. And I don't think that Prince, I mean, well, we can't know, but I don't think Prince was intentional about it here, but I think you can see seeds of it here um, and seeds of it here that would like sprout during the rest of his career when he was being more direct about talking about the oppression of black people. So here, you know, in the cross, I mean, we can, we can just think about all people who are struggling, who are hungry, um, you know, who are living in the inner city. But, you know, if you move forward and think about his other albums and songs like Exodus in the 90s. And then what really came to mind for me was Dear Mr. Man in the 2000s when he sings about poor people keep struggling, ain't nothing fair about welfare, ain't no assistance with AIDS, which he does talk about AIDS back on Sign of the Times. Um, he also says, ain't nothing affirmative about your actions till my people get paid. And he also references Matthew 5, 5, which is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And under under black liberation theology, you might um, think that the meek are, you know, black people. So it's just really interesting, again, how these themes occur throughout Prince's discography, whether he's being intentional about it or not. But certainly 
as he gets older and some of his later music, he's he's really being intentional about talking about black people. So that was kind of an interesting thread that I saw from mm -hmm. from Sign of the Times to like the end of his career. Yeah, yeah, good point. Because you know, the I think the using the word ghetto and the way it was the w intentional use of the word ghetto here probably was referring to to black people at that time and yeah. it was just because there's that there's that obvious connotation ghettos black people trailer parks poor white people you know that's kind of like what people in the united states when you want to just lump a you know a, a culture into a word a single word that's how you use it you know you got your trailer park people you got the ghetto people but the the it's the same poor people who are living in poverty or maybe not as well off but everybody knows what you're talking about right like what race you're talking about when you say those things and that's yeah pretty intentional i feel yeah i'm glad you brought that up and then for people who are listening who i can just see them wanting to <laughs> you know add their two cents we know it has origins in the jewish community but in the u.s when you say ghetto it's just been so associated with oppressed black people for sure yes sweet song of salvation a pregnant mother sings she lives in starvation her children need all that she brings all right so after the second verse there is the addition of the kick drum here so this is where like this point you get a little more uh intense from a from a musical standpoint it's no longer just prince and his guitar so just to point that out because like i said the song keeps building and building and this is one one way that the song begins to build musically but the next verse actually is of lyrics sweet song of salvation a pregnant mother sings she lives in starvation her children need all that she brings so i think this this verse kind of goes hand in hand well with the second verse when he's talking about ghettos uh sweet song of salvation a pregnant mother sings she lives in starvation so maybe it's not intentional maybe it doesn't mean like oh this is a woman living in the ghetto it could be any woman that um pregnant woman that is uh struggling to to feed herself and feed her child or children so you know living in starvation that's something also that's another one of those um, human struggles that some people have to endure unfortunately and her children need all that she brings it just kind of again paints the picture of a whether right or wrong it paints a picture of a poor poor black family in the ghetto at least i think the way that he sings it and the way that it's song after talking about ghettos i mean maybe that's just me i don't know yeah no it certainly can be interpreted that way and i think um that's also kind of an interesting thing about prince's imagery like you're you never know where he's pulling this from right like he could have just seen this image in his head or again he could have been reading the newspaper or watching tv you could have <laughs> just watched the grapes of wrath right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right you just you really never know with prince right but like as you said it just kind of reiterates the theme again of of you know folks who are struggling and and need help and need relief yeah and, and also he never mentions the cross here in this verse so he mentions the cross as the last line of verse one don't die without knowing the cross in verse two if we can just bear the cross but in verse three the first three feels like an outlier uh after i go through verse four i think it becomes even more clear as is an outlier and just because he never mentions the cross once um it's just more lines intended to um paint a picture to, to you know to give the listener the image of of a struggling person this, in this case it's a struggling mother and um it, it feels more like an, a, a companion to verse two i think and yeah. that's kind of going forth with that message and continuing on on that path of, of identifying you know a, a person who's struggling or a family that's struggling just to to survive and how, and why why is religion important to a, a person who is just struggling to survive and that's usually that can often be like the big question mark like this person doesn't have a lot 
Um, every single minute of their day practically is is spent trying to figure out how they're going to survive day to day, check to check or, you know, meal to meal. Where does religion fit into this person's life? I mean, and is it important to them? Should it be important to them? Those are those are questions that somebody who's in the situation has to ask themselves. Like, do I have time to to go to church and 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 sing about you know God and Jesus and listen to these sermons and these people uh, talk about things that I should or shouldn't do when I'm just you know all of my my uh, my spare time and my thoughts are just on my family and my situation. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm also reaching here, but I feel like this is kind of like a reminder, like a song that's meant to be a little bit of a reminder too, that no matter your lot in life, no matter where you are in life, whether you're well off, you're middle class, you're lower class, you're in poverty, you're homeless, whatever it is, there's a place in that person's life for God and Jesus. And maybe that is part of the, also the message that is uh, meant to be delivered here possibly. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, when sweet speaking of sweet song of salvation, I was like, Oh, the cross is a sweet song of salvation itself. Uh, but yeah, no, I think those are, those are great things to think about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then after the uh, third verse, then, the drums get a little more elaborate. I think it to me it kind of sounds more like a, a military uh, drum beat. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not really here to talk a lot about the music, but you know, there's the kick drum, which is like real basic kick drum after verse two. But then here at the end of verse three, it gets I think a little more militaristic. It just maybe more to just uh, you know kind of keep the listener engaged. Uh, musically as he continues on because there, again there's no chorus there's no hook uh, the song is just very straightforward so you, i think it's a smart choice for prince to not just have like the same music behind all of these lyrics every time because as a listener you want to stay engaged and one way you stay engaged is by knowing like okay this is this is where this uh kick-ass drum comes in or this is where you know i'm gonna hear these drum fills that are really intense and oh prince amps up the guitar hardcore after this verse you know you, you start looking forward to portions of the song as it progresses to listen to those changes in the music keeps the listener engaged and keeps them listening to the song i think the song could have been a little mundane um without all of these musical changes that happen throughout the song like if it was just verse after verse after verse with the same music behind it with no chorus no hook this could have been a big I think maybe a bit of a failure from a musical standpoint. So I really, I just feel like I have to mention it because most people who listen to the song, I think like the message, get the message, whatever. But even if you're not religious, there's enough in this song to keep you listening, to keep you interested uh, from a musical standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And then also just thinking about like you, you, like you mentioned like the sense of a march with the drums. I mean, that kind of goes back to the Bible too, with like lots of imagery about God's army or folks like defeating their enemies, like with with God behind them. And so I think we have some of that going on too as well. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our problems. Some big, some are small. Okay, so the final verse of original lyrics, this isn't the last line, or these aren't the last lines that Prince sings in the song, but these are the last original lyrics in verse four. We all have our problems, some big, some are small. Soon all of our problems will be taken by the cross. Okay, so this is like the first time that Prince in this song offers us a chance as the listener to look at our own situations, because especially in verse two and verse three, he's talking about somebody else. You know, it's a it's a third person, like this woman, uh, this place, not your, you know, not you, not where you live necessarily. 
and we all have our problems. So he's kind of like, yeah, I painted this picture of some situation that is is really troubling. And, you know, I wish poverty wasn't a thing, but it is. And maybe you're not living in poverty. Maybe you're, you know, doing just fine or don't have to struggle the way that this person did in verse three. But we all have our own problems. I mean, yeah, whether or not it may seem minor compared to somebody else's problems, that's not really the point. We all have our problems, some bigger, some are small right there. It says it. Some are some are life or death problems. Some are maybe not so much, you know, and he's not going to get specific as to what small problems you might have to deal with. But problems in general, he's just talking about this point. And soon all of our problems will be taken by the cross. So he's, you know, in my mind, he's just helping us all kind of stay focused, like as the listener here in this first or in this fourth verse. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just kind of reiterating that same message. And it reminds me of what you were just talking about previously, like, no matter your station in life, like everybody needs to have room for this in their lives, and everybody can benefit from it and everybody needs to be saved. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you could take it to be in the first three verses, you're like watching a television show or a movie. Because it's so kind of, you know, you can be, you can remove yourself from those situations. But he's reminding you in that fourth verse, I feel like it's not just, it's not a passive thing. You know, we all have, we all have a place here. And and then the cross isn't just meant for those people who are really having or struggling in life. Uh, It's not meant just for those people. It's meant for everybody. Okay, so then after the uh, the fourth verse, and then actually the fourth verse, he starts, Prince is no longer singing the same way he started singing in the in the song. He even intensifies his vocals here. They even get more intensified after this because this is where basically between verse four and verse five is where he adds, you know, that the, the guitar sounds it's no longer just like a kind of like a pseudo acoustic strumming he's full-on electric guitar amped up we're going for it kind of balls to the wall guitar playing here the drumming intensifies and of course people get the imagery of sheila from the movie just kind of like you know really going nuts on the drums on the drum kit uh, it's a it's a great it's a, this is the cathartic kind of like build up and release portion like you're just now pumping your fists and th- even though it's not really like <laughs> it's not supposed to be from a lyrical standpoint like this big arena anthem um, it, it kind of comes across that way musically and I think that's really cool because most religious songs you can't or in many cases religious songs are looked at as kind of like oh that's kind of lame or I don't you know for people who are maybe you know more secular they they look down on religious songs because of their their message and they think that it's you know for for people who are more religious and they just can't get with with the message and they can't get with what's being said and so they just dismiss the entire song but this the way that this song is delivered and and performed i can see people who are not religious really enjoying the song for that reason which is a really smart choice on Prince's part to keep everybody, not just people who are (laughs) into uh, spirituality and religion and the message he's delivering here, enjoying the song, Uh, you know, a teaspoon of sugar kind of situation, I think, going on here. Yeah, I agree. It's probably easier to sing soon all of our problems will be taken by the cross rather than like taken by the Christ or taken by Jesus, if that's not your religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, at least I, I would assume so. We'll be taken by the cross. Soon of all problems will be taken by the cross kind of speaks to, again, the symbolism of sacrifice. You know, all of our problems no, aren't going to matter anymore after the rapture or after we die because Jesus already died for all of our sins. And, and even if we have to sin in order to survive, you know, because you think of some people who have to rob and steal or sell drugs or whatever, and they're doing it as a means to an end. Um, maybe if, as long as you repent or as long as you believe, all of those problems, all of those sins can be taken by the cross as long as you 
as long as you have the faith and as long as you um, you know accept Jesus in your life at some point that all of that could be forgiven this is a reminder for that and that's what the cross symbolizes in many cases So then, uh, that, like I mentioned, that's really the end of the original lyrics because then he starts singing um, each verse after this is a repeat. But there's some interesting things with the repeats of the verses. So like verse five is, again, black day, stormy night, no love, no hope in sight. Don't cry for he's coming. Don't die without knowing the cross. That's pretty much saying the same, same lyrics, of course, saying differently because he's almost screaming these lyrics at this point. In some ways, like his voice is breaking a little bit, straining a little bit. And, uh, you know, it really it really kind of gives the listener, at least it gives me, it gives me goosebumps a little bit when I listen to the song, the way he ends it. Uh, I always I always like it. Anytime Prince goes like really hardcore with his vocals, whether he's screaming at the end of the beautiful ones or, you know, whatever the intensity of emotion that is delivered through the delivery of these these vocals at the end of this song and in many other songs i always enjoy that a lot and um i I look forward to even though the verses are repeated i look forward to this portion of the song because of how he does it i don't what do you feel about how he ends the song yeah, I agree. I with you know with your comment about his vocals, like anytime he's stretching or ad-libbing or getting more intense, it's always a treat. But I I mean again, I like the little subtle the subtle additions that he makes. So if we're talking about verse five, when he says, don't cry for he's coming, whereas earlier he just said, don't cry, he's coming. And that just kind of takes me back to biblical language, like that kind of old way of speaking, like for he's coming. And that's just what I get from it. Um, you, you know, just underscoring like the biblical, the biblical context of all of this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, on the on paper, they seem like they're just the same thing, but they're the differences are noticeable. Verse six, ghettos to the left of us, flowers to the right. There'll be bread for all y'all if we can just, just bear the cross. So the, it's the same message, but delivered in a different way. So he's being less um, less proper in his language here uh, and in using maybe some more slang terms like y'all and uh, <laughs> and just repeating <laughs> if we can just, just bear the cross, like uh, the way he sings that. I don't know. I just I just like the fact that he has to, or not has to. He chose to um, take it a little more in a uh, like the vernacular has changed a little bit. Like he's more speaking to his brothers and sisters, uh, figuratively and and maybe um, literally, I suppose as well. But just in a language that most people can understand. Like you know, people talk like that. That's how people talk. They'll be bread for all y'all. You know, that that's that's a line that people would say. And it's and because he's singing it so much more intensely, I feel like it just comes out more naturally. Like uh, it's just it's just a outcome of his intensified and more slang driven. The, you know, the, the language that he chose to, to deliver this line in is due to the fact that he's singing it so intensely and the fact that he's. To approach this these uh, lyrics towards the end of the song that in that manner from a, from a delivery standpoint it seems like a natural fit to me. Yeah, and I think the addition of y'all changes the point of view a little bit. Like 
you know, for most of the song, well, not, well, for, for a great portion of the song, he's talking about our problems and us. But now he's like taken the point of view of a messenger or a teacher um, or position position of authority. Like this is available to all of you. You know, I'm bringing this message to you. Yep, because he said originally there'll be bread for all of us, yeah. but now he changes it. There'll be bread for all y'all. Yeah, which again, that it's it seems like a minor difference, but the change is he's speaking to everybody. And just as a reminder, um, and feeling like a preacher, like that's, but that's the thing I like about this song, even though there is some, I mean, there's some, I guess there's some preaching here. Not really though, but that's the thing I like about it. It doesn't feel like a sermon where he's being preachy. Like there are certainly examples of songs where, you know, you can think of him as being overly preachy and like, you can maybe roll your eyes if that's not not your not your bag or whatever but the song never feels like that to me it the the narrative just seems very simple but effective like it's times are tough um you know look look to your faith to help you get through look for your faith for support look to your faith for support when when you need it and even when you don't need it you know it's still there you know it's there waiting for you when when you decide like you're ready for it or when it's a time for you to accept it and there'll be bread for all of y'all to me does that same thing it's saying like doesn't matter when you when you decide that you are ready for um ready to accept jesus ready to accept the sacrifice that he made on the cross there'll be bread for you and i've already accepted it like i get this is what i get from it i've already accepted it I'm telling you how you can too, and what's waiting for you if you choose to. Yeah, That's what I get. Like he's already saying, I've done. I've already, you know, this is something I've already accepted a while back. Now, I'm help. I'm trying to help you guys get it as well. Yeah, I like that. And how powerful. I mean, especially like if you like Prince, you know, as a religious person, and thinking about evangelism, especially in his JW days. But it's like how cool is it you can write a song that millions of people hear you can perform for hundreds of thousands of people and get this message across and in in this case in a very um approachable way um very approachable yeah i think musicians have a ton of power and they do recognize it and they they they're sometimes some of them are very careful like prince about about the message that they're putting out there and again like later in his career he decides i don't want to put these old messages out there i want to do it this way because i realize the influence that i have yeah i just don't get the impression that the cross is one of those songs that people who aren't religious when it comes down they're like oh here we go again yeah yeah. i just don't get i just don't get that feeling even when he changed it to the christ that might and maybe that's why some people have resisted or not a big fan of it because and then we've talked about it already before but the word changing cross to christ even though they basically mean the same thing just that simple changing of that word all of a sudden puts the religion i feel like for many people too up front like it was just it was almost there like just enough where they could get past it but that word christ there's absolutely no other way i don't think that you can interpret that or think of that and it it, they're unable to maybe put that aside to enjoy the song in the way they could back when it was called the cross that's the only thing i can think of for why some have resisted it besides just the fact that he changed his lyrics and some people don't like the way and he changed his lyrics <laughs> just because they're purists or they, you know, they're holding on to this uh, image of Prince from the eighties that, you know, obviously didn't exist anymore in two thousands. So that's, that's more of their problem than his is obviously, but it is. What it is. Verse seven, he does also continue with a little bit of the 
uh, the slang a, a bit by soon all of our problems, y'all, will be taken by the cross, the last two lines of the song. So just, I don't think we need to necessarily touch on anything there again, because it's essentially doing the same thing. Right. Uh, trying to get more people engaged by pointing out to everybody, because y'all is just uh, just another way of saying you, basically, and by you meaning everybody, not the the plural you, not the singular you. Um, okay, but then the final, of course, the, the song, then the music ends, and we get that. Well, actually, more like fades out. Really, it's it's another artistic choice to fade out versus just ending the song. So he chose to have the music fade out, but then the final kind of exclamation point on the song is just prince singing in like his multi-tracked vocals the cross and uh that's the last the last lyric we get the last um memory of the song is him saying the cross so repeating that those two words also was a a good way for him to make sure that you left with the message intact and didn't forget the message <laughs> when the song ends <laughs> and before you move on to the next track the song was called the cross guys uh and i'm gonna <laughs> and i'm i'm gonna take the music away and yeah you had a great time getting there but here we are again and i'm going to tell you exactly what the song was supposed to be about in case you forgot the cross yeah, and I love his vocal arrangement. I mean, I think Prince is just underrated when it comes. I mean, because as short as it is, the layered vocals on the cross, I mean, it's just beautiful and strange and, and intriguing. And I always wish when he fades out like that, like he would keep going, please. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I just think it's such a cool way to end the song. Yeah, because he definitely expands the syllables and the singing of the cross. Here at the end, he just doesn't sing the cross. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 you know, extends it out there. He, like, Grah. you know, like he turns it into a multi-syllable word, even though it's not. Um, or at least, you know, stretches it, stretches it significantly. But it's done in a really beautiful way, like you said. So I agree with you there. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the cross. Erica, do you have any final thoughts on the song or anything that we didn't touch on? Yeah, no, we touched on a lot, but um, I, I do want to say the cross is was very important in Prince's imagery and very prominent. If you think about him wearing crosses around his neck or um, crossing crosses on stage or in his videos. And it's very interesting to me. I mean, what I've studied is kind of like how that gradually gets replaced with his symbol. And let me just stress, I am not saying that Prince is putting himself, you know, like on the same level of Jesus or God. And, you know, people might say he has a God complex, but I'm not saying that. But I just think it's, it's just kind of really interesting how he was kind of hammering that Christian message home for a while and then it becomes the symbol and I think it's no coincidence that he was when he was like studying other religions in the 90s and like combining different different forms of religion that that changed and it's the love symbol right so it represents Mm -hmm. love which is still religious in a way but it's just kind of interesting how his his messages kind of broadened after the 80s and then of course they got a little bit more narrow with the jw phase but it's just really really intriguing to study when you look at that imagery Mm -hmm. well thanks for bringing that up because i don't think i would have remembered like all of the different that's one thing about prince that i don't pay as close attention to is like his accessories and (laughs) (laughs) his clothing and things like that so i really appreciate your perspective on that erica so thank you for bringing that up (laughs) you're welcome even though you you have like amaze an amazing prince t-shirt collection though so you know you know how to how to dress (laughs) yeah i like i like my t-shirts my i have a lot of t-shirts in general um to the point where my wife certainly gives me crap about it because uh, okay so you bought a new t-shirt which t-shirt are you getting rid of like um i uh uh, uh, we'll get back to you on that (laughs) okay so uh where can uh, people find find you erica on social media or like what you're up to 
Yeah, well, you can follow like my writing, especially on Prince and Spirituality at a purple day in December.com. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Miss M I S S underscore E Thompson, E T H O M P S O N. Cool. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, of course, your your perspectives on on Prince and religion are invaluable to me as a, a guest host on my show. So I uh, always appreciate your time, Erica. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Eric's podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show on social media at Press Rewind Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, you can find Press Rewind Pod on YouTube. I do put episodes up on YouTube. I'm a little behind, but I will get uh, all sign of the time episodes up eventually. It just will take me a little bit to get the music off of the episodes. But if you like the music interludes, which I do, then check it out on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, appreciate a rating and review. If you like the show, always helps to get the word out. And um, until next time, thank you very much and goodbye.